Uh, if this maybe is your first week here or maybe you're visiting uh, this week, some of it may, uh, you know, not make as much sense. It feels like you're maybe missing a piece of the puzzle. I promise you that everything we've talked about is in the Word. And if you read it from especially the book of Acts, you're going to be able to see uh, some of that stuff unfold. But I don't want to take a lot of time to go through um, the things that we have talked about, but um, I do want to just remind you that your Connect cards next week, we're giving away the gifts that we've unwrapped. We have a Keurig and we have a drill. We've used some gifts over the last couple of weeks to help us illustrate the baptism in the Holy Spirit and uh, what that is and how it works in our lives. The Keurig was because a lot of us base what we believe about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, not off of what the Word says, but off of what we've tasted or experienced. And sometimes we don't want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because we view it a lot like a Keurig. We think it's just an extra thing and I don't really need it. Uh, it's not really necessary in my life. I can get through life without it, and, uh, and so we don't seek after the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But we learned last week that the baptism in the Holy Spirit helps us to be more effective in following after Jesus. It helps us to be more effective in building the kingdom of God, much like a screwdriver and a drill. I mean, you can accomplish the same stuff with both of those items, but the drill is a little bit more effective. And we really wrestled with the idea that sometimes we as Pentecostals maybe come across to other people as maybe we think we're better than them, or sometimes people just feel like that we assume we're better than them. So we wrestled with that a little bit and uh, how we kind of walk through that. And uh, so if you want those, those are available on our podcast. You can go back and listen to those. But uh, we have another gift today, and we're going to unwrap that here in a minute. But uh, I just want to thank those of you that have shared testimonies with me over the last several weeks. I'm so excited about the things that God is doing in our body. People who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time. People who are praying for other people for the first time, taking steps of faith. There are a lot of people that are sharing visions or dreams that they're receiving or words from the Lord that maybe he's sharing with them. Um, just the acts of kindness and generosity, the things that I've heard about um, from different people. And the some of it, I don't even hear about from the person who did it. I hear about it from someone else who tells me, hey, did you hear what so-and-so did? Um, by the way, that can be po- there can be positive gossip, and you can do that. It's completely okay. It's biblical. Um, You can share when you hear somebody does something good, uh, share that and say, hey, did you hear what so-and-so did? That's so awesome. And I know sometimes we're like, well, you know, the right hand can't know what the left hand is doing in giving. And that is so not what the Bible talks about. Um, They were bringing gifts and laying it at the apostles' feet. And people were seeing other people's generosity. And it was stirring up generosity in their own hearts. And so I'm glad you're sharing your testimonies with me. But I want to encourage you, mark your Connect card, and we'd love to record your testimony about what God is doing. Please don't think that if it's not this big, profound thing, it can be as simple as what I shared today about uh, the, the message, singing out a song, and how God used that to minister to a group of people. And so I want to encourage you to share that because my prayer is that this stuff just continues to increase more and more in our lives. We've been very guilty, for the most part, at compartmentalizing the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, meaning the baptism in the Holy Spirit com- becomes all about the power gifts, the gifts of the Spirit only. But we learned last week that love, the fruit of the Spirit, should also increase in our lives if we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. If we're using that prayer language to build our spirit, there should be more evidence of fruit in our lives. We should have a greater hunger for the Word. We should be growing because there's, it's impossible for us to grow in the Lord and stay the same. 
It's impossible for us to grow in the Lord and stay the same. I mean, growth or change doesn't always equal growth. But no growth can happen without change. No growth can take place without change. Change is inevitable. And so if my level of seeking the Lord remains the same, I won't grow. If my level of studying the Word stays the same, I won't grow. If my level of prayer stays the same, I won't grow. Now, I mean, you can increase your Bible reading and you can increase prayer. You can make changes. It doesn't automatically mean growth will happen. But if your heart is connected and you are genuinely seeking the Lord, He can't help but grow you and reward that because we have a Father that loves to reward His children. Amen. That's a a true statement. It's a biblical statement. And I believe that many of us... uh, feel the same way, that I believe we're in this moment, just like the book of Acts, where we're learning, we're growing in the gifts of the Spirit and how they operate. And uh, I know that as we continue to just be obedient and continue to do what God's putting in our hearts to do, uh, things like signs and wonders are going to continue to increase. Uh, Generosity is going to continue to increase. Fruit's going to continue to increase. But we cannot be lazy with it. And uh, if you've got your Bible, uh, we're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1 today, and we're going to go to Mark chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to go to Mark chapter 4. Because this week in prayer, uh, I really felt like, uh, it was on Tuesday night in our prayer service, I really felt like uh, the Lord brought me to Mark chapter 4 and really emphasized to me that, you know, just because things are beginning to happen in our lives and we're beginning to walk in obedience, we have to be faithful to contend for the word that God gives us. Okay, just because God gives you a word, maybe, and you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and, you know, you prayed for someone and something happened or God moved in some way, you have to continue to be faithful to contend for that word or it just won't keep happening in your life. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that because the last message in this series is called Fan the Flame. And uh, it comes from the verse in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to look at that first before we go on. But just because this is the last message in this series, this isn't the end of it. Um, The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not an end. It's actually just the beginning. And I pray that these things just increase in our lives, like I said, uh, more and more. But in 2 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. And look at this. He says, I remember yours, Timothy, your sincere and unqualified faith. This is from the Amplified Version, and it kind of gives you the definition of what faith is. It's that surrendering of your entire self to God in Christ with confident trust in His power, wisdom, goodness of faith, which first lived in the heart of His mother, or His grandmother Lois, and then His mother Eunice, and I'm confident lives in you as well. But if you didn't know, faith is not a sinner's prayer. Okay, putting faith in Christ is not a prayer you pray, it's a life you live. I mean, what it is, is the scripture says all of us have sinned, meaning all of us are walking a direction that's our own direction. And when you come to Christ, you realize he's saying go that direction, the complete opposite of what you were doing. Now, I don't care if you were a moral good person when you came to Christ, you were still going the opposite of him. 
And when you repent, you come to faith in Christ, you're actually turning around and saying, God, everything I have is now yours. Whatever you say, I do. And that what I don't understand is we have a lot of people in the body of Christ who say things all the time, well, you know, I'm wrestling with that one. Here's the thing. If you've surrendered to Christ and this book says stop doing something, what are you wrestling with? Because he said, go this direction. And if you've truly repented, now, you may not do it perfectly, but you're not going to wrestle with it anymore, meaning you're not going to, well, I don't know if I should or shouldn't. Yes, you should. Go that direction. And you may not go that direction perfectly, but you're going in that direction. And so that's what Paul is saying, this complete surrender to God that lives in you. And then he says this, I remind you, fan into flame the gracious gift of God, that inner fire, that special endowment, which is in you through the laying on of my hands with those elders at your ordination. See, when the apostles laid their hands on people and they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit or they received a gift or they prophesied, they spoke a word over them, that gift is in there. Whether you feel like it's in there or not feel like it's in there, it's in there. But it's up to us to fan into flame. Now, we cannot create fire. We cannot create results. But we can fan into flame the gift of God that's in our lives. If the Bible says there's something in me, it's in me. It's in me. And I can activate it or I can choose not to activate it. I can let my feelings dictate what I'm going to do or how I'm going to respond. Or I can, by faith, act according to the Word of God. But some of us, we act according to the Word of God and our results aren't seen right away. So then we think, well, it's not in me. So you're relying on your experience and not the Word. Because that's what that is. Whenever we continue to do what the Word says to do until we see the results, that's faith. No, I don't have to deny it. I mean, I don't have to say, well, I'm not sick or I'm not uh, anxious right now, but I am set free from anxiety. I am set free from sickness. And so I will continue to pray and believe and trust for that even while I'm not seeing the results in my body. Okay, we don't have to live in denial, but we do have to choose to live in faith because God did not give us a spirit of timidity or mm, uh, unsureness, if you will, or shyness, but God has given us not a spirit of cowardness or fear. He's given us a spirit of power, power, the ability to do whatever I need to do. He's given us a spirit of love. I don't have to be rude. I can have a spirit of love. I don't need to speak my mind in a way that hurts someone. I can do it in love. He's given us a spirit of, some Bibles say self-control, some Bibles say a sound mind, but it's literally sound judgment and personal discipline. That's why different translations disagree, because sometimes Greek words mean a whole lot in, in English, and we're like, I don't know how to quite uh, translate that, and so they translate it the best they can, but the Amplified gives us the whole thing, and you don't really read the Amplified for your like devotional morning reading because it's a little wordy and it's like hard to understand. But if you want some depth, the Amplified is a great version because it gives you a little bit more. He's given us sound judgment and personal abilities, meaning the abilities to result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. That is in you because that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's in us. 
Yeah, there's just no way to tell you other than that's there. And so when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was already in us at salvation, but it helps us have access to more and more of the Spirit's work in our lives. And that's why we use that personal prayer language. That's why we pray in tongues. That's why we pray in the Spirit, because it helps us to pray more effectively, because sometimes our carnal brains don't know how to pray, so we pray in the Spirit. It also strengthens our spirit man. It gives us more love, more fruit, more power, more control over ourselves. More control over yourself. I, I mean, old-time Pentecostals, you don't like me because I'm telling you, the more you pray in the Spirit, the more control you should have over yourself. And you can actually use the gifts of the Spirit in a powerful, profound way. Because I'm not interested in just having great services where we all get goosebumps and roll around on the floor and leave here going, woohoo! But no one in Huron gets changed. I'm interested in us understanding the true power of God so when we're at work and when we're at the store and we're, we're at basketball games and we're, we're at activities and we have someone in front of us that needs a touch from God, we can be conduits of that power, that fruit, that love into their lives and their lives can be transformed. That's what I'm expecting to see in our lives. And so we stir up the gifts of the, the Spirit in our lives. But it's not just about tongues. I mean, you can be a Pentecostal and pray in the Spirit an hour a day, but if you don't ever crack this book, it's not, it's not enough. Does that make sense? I mean, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not just a quick fix for spiritual discipline. We're still required to pray and fast and seek the Lord and study the Word and be obedient. I mean, let's, be, let's pray in the Spirit for an hour a day, but let's go out that door and over lunch gossip and slander about people in the church nullifying the work of God in our lives. Look, Jesus in, Matthew, in Luke chapter 21 says, Watch out, don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing drunkenness and by the worries of this life. In other words, the Spirit, when we pray in the Spirit or when we study the Word or when we walk in obedience to God and uh, we, we do those things, we, we sharpen our spirit. But then if all of our pursuits through the week are worldly type of pursuits, or we operate in disobedience and we walk in slander or dishonor toward other human beings on this planet, we wonder why our spirits aren't sharp. Jesus said, watch out. I mean, most of us aren't worried about carousing and drunkenness. I mean, if you are, you, you, the, the Scripture's clear. That shouldn't be a part of our lives. But what about the worries of this life? The worries of this life dull our spirit. No better time to talk about that than Christmas and all the things that we want that are really just going to end up dulling our spirits. <coughs> Pray that you might be strong enough to escape the horrors that are coming before the Son of Man. So, we got to make sure that our pursuits are after the kingdom. Praying in the Spirit, but pursuing the things of the world, they're like in opposition to each other. So it's like you sharpen your spirit, and then you dull your spirit. Then you sharpen your spirit, and you dull your spirit. We should be more and more seeking to sharpen our spirits and keep it sharp. 
And so sometimes that means moving away from some pursuits that we have. Sometimes this happens through releasing the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, As you go, preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received. See, some of us say, oh, I just wish I understood the things of the Spirit more. Give what you have received. Whatever you have received, just start giving it. Give what knowledge of the kingdom you have. Give the faith that you have. Pray for the sick. Do these things that you already have, and you will gain more. Give, and it will be given to you. It's not just about money. When you receive the kingdom of God, if you just, oh, I've, I've received Jesus as my personal Savior, and now it is my calling in life to go to church every Sunday and sit in a pew until Jesus comes to take me home. And we wonder why we don't grow. Because the way you grow is to outlet. But if I give away, I won't have enough for me. Au contraire, the more you give, the more you receive. Give away. Some of you have more knowledge of the kingdom than I do. Because you've lived longer than me. You've sat through more services than me. You've read the Bible more than me. But you won't let it flow out of you and you don't grow in it. Grow in it. Let it out of you. Some of you would overcome the sin that you're struggling so hard to overcome. I just don't have the power to overcome it. Start releasing the kingdom. And see if you don't receive more power to overcome the acts of the flesh. But the enemy uses us, well, you don't have the right to minister to people because you have this sin in your life. I mean, if you're not rationalizing that sin, if you're repenting of that sin and you're getting help overcoming that sin in your life, you have every right to release what God has given you. Amen. That's good stuff. Okay, so... Last week, we talked about the parable of the minas and how we grow in the gifts that God has given us and how he wants to reward us. He wants to reward us. And we talked about how all of us have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Everyone who's a believer has the Holy Spirit. And how much we increase that determines how much reward that we receive in heaven. And I pray that that is awakening in our hearts more and more. And uh, you know, I, it, I told us, I said this last week, when we were, when we stand before God, um, whether you receive, you know, reward for increasing 10 times or increasing five times or whatever reward you get, none of us are going to stand before him and think, oh yeah, I did pretty good. I mean, in that moment, we're going to come to the realization that I, I could have done more. I could have done more. And my prayer is that it's something awakens in our hearts so that before we get there, we have that feeling now so that we do more now. Does that make sense? Even though we'll never actually get to the point where we do enough, <laughs> I want us to do more because more means people. And I want to show you a video clip from a movie. Uh, it's the movie Schindler's List. If you've never seen it, it's uh, the man uh, intervened on behalf of Jews who were being killed in the Holocaust. And what he did is he owned a factory where he could buy workers to work in his factory and save them from death. And he's surrounded, he's about to face his, his crimes. And uh, he's surrounded by all of the Jews that he's rescued. But he has this moment of realization that I believe so uh, powerfully depicts what I'm trying to explain, so I want you to watch it. 
whoever saves one life saves the world entire. nullify the good that he did but in that moment he realized something as foolish as a, a gold pin could have been two more lives and see when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give answer for what we've done in the body good or bad none of us is going to say oh if I could have just watched one more episode oh if I could have just you know had you know one more day at the lake oh if I could have just had one more I mean and none of these things are bad and it, I'm not trying to get us to the point where we feel guilty every time we sit down and turn the TV on. Or we, it's not about guilt. It's about recognizing the kingdom of God within us and recognizing that one day we're going to realize how much we wasted, how much time, how much money, how much energy we wasted. And what I want to do is try to awaken more in our hearts that reality now so that when we stand there, that's even less. Because here's the thing. None of us will ever stand there and be like, did good. We're all going to recognize we wasted so much. But let's just work toward wasting less. Amen? All right, that's a good idea. So, the gift. Everyone's like, open the gift. I want to know what we get. After that, I mean, yeah, open the gift. And so, uh, today, 
what I have for you is one of my, this has been one of my favorites. I've been so excited about this. I have Dove chocolate. Get it? Dove chocolate. Dove. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because when Jesus was baptized, it says that the Holy Spirit descended upon him as a dove would descend. It doesn't actually say the Holy Spirit looked like a dove. Okay, but we just assume that. And he could have, we don't know. But the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a bird. He's not a drill. He's a person. But in the form or as a dove descends, however a dove descends, that's how the Holy Spirit rested upon Jesus at his baptism. And so today, I have a dove chocolate for everyone. So before you leave today, I want you to take a dove chocolate with you to, to symbolize that Jesus said it's better for him to go because then all of us get to leave here today with the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. If you open it up and you actually consume it, Okay? Because you can walk around, hey, I have the Holy Spirit, I have the Holy Spirit. But until you actually taste and see that the Lord is good, until you actually get Him into your life, okay, it's of no benefit to you. You can carry this cho chocolate in your car or in your pocket for weeks, but until you unwrap it and eat it, it does you no good. And the, the reason that I picked Dove chocolates, other than the fact that it's Dove, is because inside each Dove chocolate is a message, yeah, a message. Wow, that's really warm. This one says, ignore hashtags. <laughs> Hashtag, ignore hashtags. Okay, so maybe the Holy Spirit is way more profound than dove chocolate. In fact... Pastor John, I, I told him I was going to do this, and I brought one in his office, and I said, wouldn't it be awesome if I opened the message, and it was so profound? And so we opened one, and he ate it, and I said, it said, watch more cartoons. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, maybe it's like a call to be childlike. I don't know. And so we could have made that one work, but I, don't, I have no idea what to do with that one. Ignore hashtags, but uh, <laughs> stop wasting time with social media. I don't, I don't know, whatever it is. But there you go. So... But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit comes with the Word of God. Okay, Jesus was the living Word of God. Well, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. So every Word of God is the Holy Spirit. He is the Word of God also. So He's in us. So every message God has to strengthen you and to strengthen people around you. Every single one of us carry messages around every day that the Holy Spirit wants to deposit in other people's lives. And stop waiting for the profound message and just start sharing what you've already been given. And as you start sharing what you've already been given, the Holy Spirit will give you more and more and more and more. But by the way, there's a bag over there under the tree that has a variety pack of Dove chocolates that we're going to give away next week. So there's Dove chocolates as a variety pack, and there's single Dove chocolates for everybody today. And so tis the season to be giving, and so make sure you take your chocolate as you go today. Um, now, I want to take just a few moments and walk through Mark chapter 4 uh, before we leave. Uh, before I pray for you, because, um, you know, the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit or the things that are happening in our lives, the word that God has given us, they have to be contended for in our lives, meaning we have to be diligent to keep believing them, trusting them, putting them into practice, praying them, um, fighting against the things that 
tell us the opposite of that word. I promise you, when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, many of you are going to battle with doubts of, you know, that's just me. That's not really the Holy Spirit. That's not really happening. You know, I know, I mean, just someone this week said, you know, I had this such of this peace when I received it. But then I'm like, well, you know, I I didn't get uh, uh, some profound language. I just got like a few words or a few things that I just kept saying. But I, I mean, I had this peace and this joy that just filled my heart. And and so it, you're going to have to battle that mind. You're going to have to contend for the word that you've been given. And in Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells a story. And we're not going to read the story. We're going to read the explanation. So if you, didn't, if you don't know the story, you're going to have to read it uh, for yourself later. But when he explains it, he says, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Meaning that this parable is so significant, so foundational to the kingdom of God, that if you don't understand this one, you're going to miss everything. The word, the seed that is sown is the word of God. It's not just the message of salvation. It's any word of God. Anything that God says, any way that he reveals himself is the seed of this parable. And the seed is sown by the Father. The Father sows the word and some people are like the seed along the path. Our hearts can get hardened. The deceitfulness of sin can harden our hearts. Our own rebellion and our own pride can harden our hearts. And that's why it's important to repent regularly of sin, of behaviors that are, in, that are against the Word of God, of pride. If you're in this room right now and you think you don't have to repent of pride, you are the one that needs to repent the most of pride. Because all of us deal with pride in different ways. Pride is a huge part of all of our lives that we need to continue to say, Holy Spirit, take pride out, increase humility in my heart and in my life. And if you're offended with me for that, um, then you know that's just another sign again that there's pride in your heart because we all have pride. And so I just want to encourage you to deal with that because sometimes the word can be sown in your heart and the enemy comes and snatches it away before it even has a chance to penetrate. I mean, some of you have already made up your mind about the baptism in the Holy Spirit before I've even said a word or before you've read anything in this book. Pride. And that thing can't penetrate your heart. The enemy comes and snatches it away and it bears no fruit. Others receive on rocky places. They hear the word and they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. In other words, they receive it with joy. They're like, yeah, that's, that sounds so true. I'm so excited about that. They come to the altar or they receive, you know, the word of the Lord and they're, they're just, they're going to act on it. This is awesome. This is great. But then it doesn't work out. Or, you know, they walk out the door and someone calls or their spouse yells at them or the kids fight on the way home or something bad happens, the car breaks down and trouble or persecution comes. And see, that it doesn't, I don't believe that. That word didn't, they didn't take time to put down roots. And what, what does the Bible tell us to put roots into? God's love and his goodness. God's love and his goodness. Meaning that when trouble comes, I have to be rooted in the fact that God is love and God is good. And then when trouble comes, it won't cause me to question the word. 
I don't, I don't like the trouble. I don't want the trouble. But I know that God is good. And I know that God is, is love. And I know that He is at work in my life. And I'm going to trust the Word over my experience. And I'm going to put down deep root. And I'm going to keep believing. And I'm going to keep trusting. And I'm going to go through those rocky places. See, some, every one of us believes that God does miracles and then we pray for someone and they die and so our hope gets disappointed and so then the next time we don't want to ask again. It's that hardship that we have to root ourselves against all hope, we keep hoping. The word is true, not my experience. Still others are like seed sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in, they choke the word, and they make the word unfruitful. I want to tell you something. This passage does not say that people who are sown the word and the word is unfruitful go to hell. It doesn't say that. Now, if, it, if the, 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 the pursuit of the American dream chokes out the salvation message in your heart, and then you walk away from that, then absolutely you're separated from God. But... Sometimes you can walk through life and just because of the cares of life, the worries of life, it's not like I meant to forget, I just got busy or I just walked away. I didn't take the intentional time to invest in the kingdom of God. I just went with the flow. I didn't go in the other direction. And because of that, all of the things that crowd into our lives choke out the word of God. We cannot stay the same and grow in God. We cannot stay the same and grow in God. And some of us are not seeing fruit in our lives just because of the amount of thorns in our lives. And what we need for Christmas is some pruning shears. That's really all we need to just start cutting away the things that are choking the Word of God out from our lives and causing it to be unfruitful. And that's why the Bible, by the way, tells us to encourage each other to pursue the kingdom. When you see someone pursuing the kingdom, celebrate it with them. Man, great job. Awesome. Thank you for being obedient. Thank you for stepping out. Keep going after that thing. Because that's encouraging. Because nobody out there is like, hey, way to read your Bible today at work. That, you know, what a great use of your time. The world isn't doing that for us. So we encourage one another in that. And then others, like the seed sown on good soil, they hear the word, they accept the word, and they produce a crop. You know, I've heard people say, you know, if the soil of your heart is good, it just automatically produces a crop. But I think we have some, some diligence to do here. We have to hear the word. Present tense, constantly hearing the word. We have to accept the word. We have to begin to act on the word. And then we have to keep acting on the word so that, it, look, it produces up to 30, 60, or 100 times. Remember the parable of the minus? One guy got five, one guy got 10. So some of you, you're going to be faithful to the word and it's going to produce 30 times what was sown. That's good. Some could get 60, some could get 100. Just keep putting down deep roots, keep pruning the thorns out of your life, keep being diligent to accept the word, put it into practice. I don't feel like it today. I'm tired today. I don't feel like that's true, but I'm going to keep doing it today. I've been telling you for weeks that I just feel like there's an open heaven over my life and I'm hearing things and I don't want you to think that I'm living in this mode where I don't have to 
to, to fan into flame the gift of God in my life. They, I have, I'm in a fight every day of my life to just stay faithful, to stay trusting, to believe God. I know that God has given us a word about our church and I keep believing it. I've been praying it for weeks, for months, and we're just going to keep being faithful, but it's like we're going backwards. But I'm going to keep doing it because I know it's true. And that's the kind of fight that we're in because we have to keep pressing in. Galatians chapter 6 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. We will reap what we sow. If we sow to the flesh, we will reap from the flesh. If we sow to the things of the world, we will reap from the things of the world. But if we sow to the Spirit, we will reap eternal life. So don't get weary in doing good, for at the proper time you reap a harvest if you do not give up. I want you to think about for a moment, as we get ready to close today, this is what I want you to think about. How much of the Word have you been given? How much have you read, studied, heard preached, read in Christian books, heard on the radio? How much of the Word have you been given? Probably all of us in this room, a lot, some more than others. Now, I want you to think about it in terms of Mark chapter 4. Are you being faithful to receive it, accept it, and put it into practice over, over every day? I'm being diligent to make sure I'm putting into practice what God has said. God spoke this word over my life. I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to put this into practice. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. Be, and so you're like this. You're being faithful to it. You're doing all you can do because you can't make the harvest grow. You can make the soil good, but you can't make the seed grow. Okay? That's up to God. But are you doing everything you can to make the soil of your heart good? Or is the reason that word is unfruitful in your life because there's too many thorns? Too much worldly pursuit? Or because you've been disappointed? Or because you're facing a hardship and it's kind of hardened your heart? It's calloused you? Or because your heart has become so hard you can't even hear the word anymore. Because those are our only options. I mean, either we're doing everything to make the soil good or we're not doing enough to make the soil good. And if you're doing everything to make the soil good that you can, just keep trusting for the harvest. But if, you say, if the Holy Spirit today is saying, ah, oh, there's some thorns. And can I just... Can I just be so bold to say that every one of us has at least one thorn? <laughs> I mean, every one of us. Something that the Holy Spirit today could come alongside us and say, just trim this off. See if I don't, see if I don't just expand the kingdom in your heart. Trust me, this thing is choking you. Just cut it off and uh, trust me. All of us have past disappointments or hurts or troubles that we're experiencing. And next week, we're really going to talk about troubles and hardships because some of us are thinking, if I could just get over this hurdle, then I could get some traction and I could, you know, really, the kingdom of God could really take off in my life. But the reason that you're where you are right now is because God wants to develop some character in your life so that when he takes you where he wants to take you next, you're ready for that. We can rejoice also when we face trials of different kind because they're going to develop in our life endurance and that endurance produces strength of character and that strength of character strengthens our hope of salvation. 
And that's something that we're going to talk about next week. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand with me. And I want to take a moment and I want to pray for you. Um, I'm not going to take a long time. I want to pray for you. And I want, to, I want to tell you exactly what we're going to do because I don't want you to feel like I have a hidden thing that I'm going to do. I'm not going to hide anything. Here's what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to say to you, if you want... Maybe you need to surrender more to the Lord. Maybe there are some thorns that need to be cut out. Maybe, there's, maybe you're doing everything you can to produce that good soil. But here's the thing. There's going to be a temptation, even if you're doing everything you can, to give up. And so if you're saying, you know what, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do more in my life than He's currently doing, and I just want to surrender myself to Him today. In a moment, when I say that, you're going to come to the front, and I'm going to pray a prayer over you. Because I believe that as the pastor of this church, God's put me here to do that, and I'm going to pray for that to increase in our lives more and more. Okay, that's what we're going to do. And then I'm going to pray a blessing at the end of that, and then you're going to be able to leave. You're going to take your chocolate and you're going to go. Okay? But some of you maybe need someone to pray for you. Okay? And so I'm going to allow you, if you need prayer, to find someone and ask them to pray for you. Or maybe you're going to be led to pray for someone. And so then I want you to respond. I want you to go to them and say, hey, I just feel led to pray for you. Could I pray for you? One of the gifts of the Spirit is the discerning of spirits, meaning the ability to discern spiritual things. We sometimes think of that as the ability to see the demonic things. Ooh, I know that that person has a spirit that's not of God. But it also is the ability to recognize the spirit of God. It's not just a negative thing, it's also a positive thing. And why I'm saying that is because I believe some of you, the, the way that God wants to move in your life is the one thing that you, you don't want to do. Does that make sense? I mean, you think, if I could just get the most anointed person to pray for me, then um, I would be healed or delivered or freed. But here's the thing. You've got to be able to recognize the person that God wants you to go to to get prayed for. And sometimes it's somebody that doesn't have their name on a book cover. Sometimes it's the person that you really least want to pray for you. Okay? And so that's why I'm going to allow you in that moment, if you need prayer, and here's the thing, if you can't find anyone else to pray for you, I'm your guy. Okay? Some of you are going to be like, oh, no, I don't want to go to him. He's too busy. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Just say, no, he's not too busy to pray for me. He wants to pray for me. I just said it with my mouth. I want, I don't care if I'm here till four o'clock this afternoon praying for everyone in the room. We'll do it. But I want you to listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying. How does he want you to get prayed for? Maybe someone else is that person. And so by coming, you're going to maybe make yourself available for someone to pray for you or be prayed for. And if you have to go, if you've got an appointment, just say it. Say, I can't. Or you just do this. You just say, in the name of Jesus, receive it. And then you leap. You leap. It's not that, it's not, it's not about what we do. It's just about being obedient. And here's the thing, sometimes we pray long prayers because we think if I could just pray a long prayer, if I could just tap into the Spirit. But if the Spirit's there, you don't have to tap into anything, you just have to be obedient. You just release it. Okay, so 
you want to be prayed for today, you say, I recognize that the Holy Spirit wants to use me a whole lot more than He is, <laughs> and it's my fault, and I want to just say, anything you want is yours. Come. Don't wait. Just come. Just come right now. We're going to pray for you. And then we're, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to believe God to do it. We're going to dismiss you. If you want prayer from someone, or you, I just want you to respond to the Holy Spirit, however He moves, however He speaks to you, and that's it. And so, Father, I thank you today that you have done so much. God, This help us in the midst of this Christmas season not to lose sight of the, the, the power of this moment that you, our Creator, stepped out of that place of perfection and you, you chose to lay aside every right and privilege you had as God and wrap yourself in flesh and come to this earth for the purpose, for the purpose of taking our punishment. Not because we were good people, but because you knew there was no other way. We were your enemies. We didn't seek you. We didn't want you. We didn't even love you. And you did this for us so that we could come into relationship with you. Thank you for doing that for us. Thank you for this plan of salvation that you've made available to us. Thank you for the spirit that you have sent to live inside of us. God, that is at work right now in the hearts of every man, woman, and child around this altar area. And Holy Spirit, as we surrender ourselves to you, we make ourselves more available to you in this moment. We recognize there are thorns in our lives that need to be pruned away. And we ask for grace to be able to prune those things away and to be diligent. When they try to grow back, help us to prune them again and prune them again and prune them again. God, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And so we reject it right now. We're not going to live in guilt. We're not going to live in fear. We're not going to live in condemnation. Every day of our lives, we're just going to pursue you more and more. We're going to trust the things that you've said. We're going to be faithful to be to put them into practice. We're going to find ways to encourage one another, to stir one another on, to pursue the kingdom more and more and more and more. God, we are grateful for the things that you are doing in our lives. We see it already, but God, we say do it more and more. God, I pray specifically for those whose hearts at this altar have been wounded because of past disappointment. Holy Spirit, I just pray that today you would just begin now to just like an oil, God, begin to soften, begin to soften those hard places. God, where hope has been deferred and the heart has been made sick, soften it. Soften it today, I pray. God, I thank you for this body. I thank you for the hunger that is in their hearts today. And now I pray your blessing over them. Lord, would you bless them? Would you keep them? Would you cause your face to shine on them this week? Would you be gracious to them? Lift up your countenance upon them and give them peace. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're, you're dismissed. You can go. And, uh, but I just encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to direct you in these final moments. But when you need to go, just do it quietly and let those that want to stay here and pray a little bit longer do that. God bless.